I'm Jessica Livingston, and Carolyn Levy and I are the Social Radars. In this podcast, we talk to some of the most successful founders in Silicon Valley about how they did it. Carolyn and I have been working together to help thousands of startups at Y Combinator for almost 20 years. Come be a fly on the wall as we talk to founders and learn their true stories. We are here today with Emmett Shear. And of course, you know Emmett from being the founder and CEO of Twitch, but he is now a part-time partner at Y Combinator. Yay. And I am so excited. Emmett, roll up your sleeves. We're getting into things. (laughs) Welcome. All right. Thank you. It's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. Um, Reminiscing. You applied to YC in the very first batch in 2005 before anyone had even heard of Y Combinator. Tell me what you remember. Yeah, I was a big fan of Paul's essays in college. I uh, was reading his essays along with spending just vastly too much time on the internet in general. Um, But I read all of his essays. And uh, unrelatedly, uh, me and Justin and uh, and Matt Fong um, had decided we should start a company. Um, Just sort of generically, like, it would be, if we're going to start a company, we should do it now. Like, like we have the least to lose. We have the most access to co-founders. It was actually like our logic was pretty sound. Like now would be a good time to start a company as we graduate. Because you were all seniors at Yale University. We were all seniors at Yale. We were all seniors at Yale together. Um, And we should have started looking around for a startup idea. And Gmail had just come out. I'd been working at Microsoft the previous summer on the Hotmail team, which was a hot mess. Like, like (laughs) totally like, (laughs) like it just... It wasn't their fault. It's just Microsoft had decided to fund all of Hotmail with a team of like six people for like a hundred million users. There, there was no oh possible my. way that product could have gone anywhere because it was under, it was just, Microsoft had decided, well, we bought this email thing. It didn't really go anywhere. Eh, whatever. And they just stopped funding it. Like I was, oh no. I was there, I was their person working on the spam problem. The in, summer intern. What? It, yeah. That was, that, that was my job. was wor- combating Was spam. the spam guy. I was the spam guy. I was integrating a vendor. So like, it wasn't like I was actually trying to like, they weren't making me like write a anti-spam engine, but like I'm integrating the, 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 the anti-spam vendor. This, this tells you what state the team was in. That was really, it was really not in a good place. Um, I still think fondly of my teammates. I just, it was, it was hopeless. Um, yeah. It was like one of those, those like uh, in retrospect, they, they had the, this huge lead anyway. So Gmail had come out that summer. And I, tr- I got an invite that summer. I tried to show everyone else on the team Gmail and be like, guys, this is like a big deal. This is coming. And no one was interested. No one was interested oh. in Gmail at all. Oh, it was amazing. No. But I was really interested in Gmail. And so when I was back at school using Gmail, I was like, this needs a calendar. Like there's an obviously they made it. They made the email client, but Google doesn't understand this. They, they need a calendar that goes with this. Yeah. Um, and of course, it turns out Google had already built the calendar. They just hadn't launched it publicly yet. Um, mm-hmm. but um, we did not know this at the time. And so we started working on that was our idea. We were going to go build a, uh, a Google calendar competitor effectively, but Google calendar didn't exist yet. And, uh, and we're working on this and our friends know we're working on this. And so I get an, uh, a message from who was it in the computer science program? I think, it, I think it was Jim Terry basically being like, Hey, you like Paul's essays, right? Like, and you're starting a startup. Did you see this announcement? Uh, 
he's doing a startup funding thing. And I was like, oh, no, I didn't see that. I totally missed it. Uh, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. oh, we should apply for that. And so we did. And uh, I remember you know, trying explaining to Justin, this is this is a good idea. And he was like, oh, this is great. They're going to give us money. You're, I'm sold. <laughs> Big um, fat $12,000. Yeah, yeah. We were facing like, should we just start this in our parents' garages? We don't have any money. We don't know how to raise money. So it was like $15,000 was like a big deal. That was enough to let us, Paul's theory was correct. That was enough to let us leave school, like on graduation, do this instead of getting a job. Yeah. Okay. And Matt's from Australia. So he dropped out and went to go work for, I think, Goldman instead because they could get him a guaranteed visa. And like, (laughs) I think it was a little too risky for him to, uh, uh, even Australians, the visa situation's hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Immigration's hard all the way around. And uh, so it was just me and Justin at that point. And we came up and we interviewed at the Garden Street office. Uh, yeah. I remember we stayed in La, La, the La Quintera Inn and we, we like gotten a, a, a taxi to go over to the Garden Street place, which is much nicer. We should have stayed closer to Garden Street. Like, I don't know why we stayed. We were just trying to save money because we were trying to save money on everything because we were broke college kids. Which right. in retrospect, actually, that was the right. Ad- like, I look back at a bunch of things where I'm like, now I would never make that decision. But like, that was the right. That was the right call at the time. And if I remember correctly, you lived in some sort of not great oh, part of Boston, God. not near Cambridge when we, you did. Watch, oh, yeah. Correct. Where was it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We uh, so Justin's mom had a friend, I think, through church uh, who lived in Roxbury. And so she got us. <laughs> she got us a place in in like. Deep in Roxbury, uh, in this house with no AC, uh, which in Boston is like a no AC in Boston is a big problem. And I never understood like the whole the full food desert thing. We were in a food desert, like the the closest, like you know, groceries and stuff were like quite far away from us. Um, so you had to you know you had to w- either walk a really long way or like uh, take a taxi or something. I think we we had my car though, so we could drive for it. So I think that was we went to Costco a lot um, in the car. But yeah. Uh, in retrospect, we didn't. We I don't know why we thought that was a good idea. Well, it was it was cheap. It was cheap, and it had space. I, and I bet it was. You know, yeah, cheap is good when when you've just graduated and you you don't yeah. have any income. So back to the interview weekend, though. You, yeah. So you apply to YC with the idea of of Kiko, the sort of yeah. Google Calendar, um, and we invite you to interview. And you had built yeah. something at that point, had you not? When you came into interview. We've been stretching towards a demo. I was a Paul disciple. And at the time, Paul's big thing was like, you need to build a, like, running code is the key, build a demo, get, make something, get it going, start learning from there. And so that's what we did. And we had the drag and drop uh, demo running. I think it was the first yeah. time I'd ever seen drag and drop work in a browser. I'd never done that before. Um, and you could, you could one time for each appointment, it, it, you couldn't move it a second time. But once you could pick up any appointment and move it to another place in the calendar and it would work. Um, well, it impressed us. I'll, I do yeah. remember. Very impressive demo. Did you allow them to do a demo in the interview? We had, yes. we had 40 minutes. 40 minutes. We had 40 oh, minutes. Maybe we would have allowed them to do anything. What are you going to do with the time? <laughs> 40 minutes. But, it's like it's like an eternity. I'm like, what are you going to do with the time? Exactly. Yeah. Needless to say, Emmett, we changed the 40 minutes uh, <laughs> for the next interview session down to like 15. Right. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah, we, we were just learning. I mean, we were this was all yeah. new for us. So we thought you need well, 40 minutes. Well, and compared to a normal investment process, 
we're going to make our entire decision on a 40 minute meeting. And then we're just going to like say yes or no. This sounded already absurdly like shortened. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like the comparison is like multiple meetings and like pitch decks. And I felt like on the, on the founder side, I was getting away with something. Like I, I just get to come in and like talk to you for 40 minutes and show you my demo. And then I either get money or I don't. This is a great deal. Like it's so much better than like pitch. I don't even know how to pitch for money. Um, well, this was one of our insights was to make immediate decisions. So that was always yeah. the plan. We were going to let you th- know that night. And I remember it was pretty much a no brainer for you two. We're like, you know, great founders and they built something great idea. Right. You know, we, let's do you it. You did tell us that you did tell us like, we're not sure your idea is really that good. <laughs> what? It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which to be fair, it wasn't a good idea. It would like, have been if Google hadn't launched. Right. In if Google hadn't launched year. Google Calendar, it would have been a good idea. Yeah. But I think I think Google was always going to launch Google Calendar. Um, but uh, I, I, so, so I just remember walking out of the meeting and being like, holy shit, that was, that was Robert Morris. Mm. And Justin was like, who? And I was like, I, I think that was Robert Morris. I was a, I was a, you know, CS kid. Yeah. I knew, yeah. I knew, I knew RTM. Like I knew, I knew about the worm. I knew about like, I was like, oh, we just got interviewed by, like, I couldn't even remember. I don't remember what else was in the, anyone else in the room or anything that happened. Cause I was like, that was Robert Morris. <laughs> oh my God. Did you guys not I was, introduce I, each other? I think I held it. No one introduced each, like that didn't. Oh, they, we introduced it, but Justin didn't, that didn't register. For, like, okay. Justin's like, okay. oh, th- this is Robert Morris. And just, you know, he's, he's you know, a professor like, at MIT. Yeah. And Justin's like, yeah, yeah, cool. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> like, uh, and, and I was trying to, I remember afterwards just being totally starstruck and, Justin being like, what are you talking about? Like, cause he just, if you aren't, if you aren't a literal CS major, you're not going to learn about it. Like you have to be really yeah. into kind of internet programmer hacker history to, have, to know, like, uh, to know why he's so impressive. Um, but like, uh, yeah, I, as a result, I actually, I barely remember, like, I can't, the, all my, I think most of my memories of the rest of it are kind of reconstructed. Like I know you were there, Jessica, but I can't remember you being there. I can't remember. I think Trevor was probably there. I don't think you, I don't remember oh, him. Yeah. I Trevor barely remember Paul. Wow. Really? Like, oh my like God. Like I remember, because I was just like, oh my God, RTF, RTF. This is, I can't believe I'm being interviewed by, by and, Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> and he didn't, even, he didn't even ask that. He didn't even ask any real questions. I, I was going to say, like he doesn't, he's not super talkative in interviews. So that is hilarious. No. Oh my yeah. gosh. Like well, I, I, I do remember you, I remember you being there. Like, I remember you being there, Jessica. I just don't remember very okay. much. Like, it's, like, it's just a flash of it. But uh, yeah. Trevor, I honestly don't, didn't remember his presence. And it really, like, and I'm sorry, Trevor. Like, I just, I just think, like, and, and Paul, if I didn't, if I wasn't reading Paul's essays, I don't think I would have remembered him either. Wow. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's I would have the same, terrible. like, kind of flash of a per- person, but that's it. Okay. That's um, okay. Well, it was great. When, when we called you that night and said, Paul must have called you and said, you're yeah. in, uh, was it a no-brainer to take the deal? Oh, and- yeah. I mean, there was, it okay. was. We were so excited. We didn't, we didn't have a backup plan. Our plan was get YC. That was the whole, okay. that was the whole plan. If we hadn't gotten it, I don't know what we would have done. Um, I mean, to be honest, Justin had a job that he hadn't, he took the signing bonus from and had, and then after we got YC, he like returned the signing bonus. Oh, wow. Uh, because like, uh, I think in retrospect, I think I was kind of, I did not have a backup plan. Um, and I don't think Paul, J- Justin was actually going to take his energy consulting job in DC. I don't think Justin would have actually liked that. I think he was, I think that was sort of like to appease his mother or something. Like, don't worry. I have a, I have a, a real plan. Um, but, uh, we didn't, we definitely did not have a like, oh, if we don't raise money from YC, we'll go, 
start the startup some other way. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say we would not have started Kiko without YC. Um, wow. We would have like tried a little bit, but I think we would have given up quite quickly. So tell if you can remember, I'd love to hear your memories from that first summer and that very first session of YC and what happened with Kiko and what what I might not know about. Yeah. I mean, I mostly remember sitting in our very, very hot, like sweltering Roxbury apartment with no AC, like in our underwear programming and just feeling so alone and so depressed because I'd just come out of being like in the best social environment of my entire life with all of my college friends. And that was me and Justin. I love Justin, but like, he's not an entire social circle. (laughs) And it's just me and Justin in this house. We don't know anyone in the city. It feels like we're never going to be near our friends. And our friends are all in New York, basically. Like some of them are in San Francisco, but like most of them are in New York at this point. And they're all having a great time. Like they're all like working their first year at Goldman and all that with all their other friends who graduated or, you know, at consulting firms or, you know, wherever else, or they went to law school or med school and they're having an awesome time. And we're in this like Roxbury. It, it was so depressing and so sad. And like, I was, I had like a couple weeks of just like dark, like my life is never going to be fun again. Oh no. Oh, no. Um, and the one, the one bright spot every week was Tuesday dinners. I was going to ask you, did you just live for Tuesday night dinner? Yeah, Tuesday night dinner was the only social contact we had of any kind. Um, In retrospect, if we just lived in like Davis Square or something, we would have been like, fine. It was was this totally, it's totally own goal. Like there's a bunch of college kids like right there. It's like uh, Cambridge is full of, of our friends and college. (laughs) things happening. Yeah, yeah, totally. 20 year old. Yeah, yeah. But we just. Instead, we were <laughs> decided to live in Roxbury. I don't know. It was it was not very smart. Um, okay. Well, in some ways, it was terrible. In some ways, it was good because we definitely weren't distracted. Yeah. Like it was yep. full on. Like we were doing nothing but the startup, which was which was sad and depressing. But also, like we were doing nothing but the startup. There was no competing <laughs> anything. Um. And uh, I uh, I drove out uh, across the country. My girlfriend wanted to. Uh, I got back to with my girlfriend, which in retrospect, you know, I feel like that that was probably a bad idea, not because we weren't you know, it's just like practically her moving to Boston, like into this environment where we I was already depressed and didn't have a social network. And she also wouldn't was like not arrested. Like in retrospect, if we wanted that to work, we probably should have waited until I at least moved to Davis Square. Yeah. <laughs> like it, that would have been a better idea. Did she move into the apartment? Yeah. 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 Totally. Oh. Hundred <laughs> percent. And did that cause a little tension? I know you and Justin yeah. have been friends forever, but I'm trying. Yeah, to it, ca- it caused it caused a little bit of tension. I think more, but more just the the insanity of like, why would you bring a girl? Like, why would you generate this extra stuff mm-hmm. that we have to deal with? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he got together with Christine. Well, we were in the Roxbury apartment too, so I think he, we were, we oh, both got back they together. Met in Bo- they met in Boston. No, they, they met in, uh, in college, but they, they, oh. they, uh, uh, they'd broken up and they got back together. But I think I'm, I'm pretty sure while we were still in the Roxbury apartment, and yeah, we, we ate a lot of Costco lasagna. Uh, I made a lot of uh, chicken uh, and spring mix salads, <laughs> and uh, and then it was quiche Lorraine's. I would like bake a whole quiche Lorraine, the, the and little then just mini eat that hors d'oeuvre like kind, or. 
No, no, no. Like I would, I would make a a pie crust and fill it with like, you know, a dozen eggs. Oh, wow. And then I would eat that for four days. Um, (laughs) Okay. Quiche is like the easiest thing to make actually. Cause it's like, if you just, if, if you can make a pie crust or you buy one, you just like crack a dozen eggs into it and like some cream and, you know, ham and whatever else you want to put in. And then like you put it in the oven, you know, you can, and you cut it into a bunch of slices and you have infinite food. I was just looking for things that were like time efficient, time efficient for for a lot of protein. Yeah. That's a good tip. At the end of the summer, you, you had demo day. Do you remember that there were like 15 people there? Oh, I I remember the whole, the whole summer. I remember, uh, Paul Buhite coming in and, uh, giving his talk on Gmail and just being like, holy shit, that's a real engineer. I didn't understand what engineering was. Uh, Ah. and like, uh, I remember, uh, Telling Steve uh, that you couldn't access it. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. You could, I, I think something like you couldn't access a database without, without Java. Um, and what I meant was you couldn't access a database without like, like a, like a server side like thing. But I didn't really understand how programming worked. Like when I, I think you, I fooled you because I was a good programmer because I'd, I'd been in a, the Yale computer science curriculum, which is a very intense yeah. abstract curriculum but they don't teach you how to do anything. Like I didn't know how any technology actually worked. It was, it's really a like computer science as abstract theory program. And so like, mm. how does a database work? Like what is, how do you connect a, a, a program that runs on a, a server to a database? I have this vague idea you can do that, but like, what would that look like? I'd never done it before because that's dirty practical work. And Yale doesn't believe in <laughs> practical work of any kind. Um, Whoa. Well, YC does, and, thank God. And you yeah. probably got quite the well, lesson. Turns out Yale is actually right, which is their attitude is you'll figure it out. That part's easy. Like we're going to focus on the really hard stuff. And when you have to figure out how to install a database driver for your Python program, you'll, it's fine. You're, if you, if you got to this program, you'll figure it out. And they were right. It was, it took me all of, you know, six weeks to figure out how a lot of that stuff worked. Um, although it took me probably two or three years to get like good at it. That's fine. Like, I'm glad they focused on the more rigorous components because that stuff uh, I would not have learned over the next two or three years if I hadn't gotten it in school. Also from the summer, uh, I remember prototype day um, and uh, sort of sprinting to have something. um, And then I remember uh, demo day and we basically built a calendar. Um, I think we, I think we'd even launched um, and we had some users and uh, I, I, I remember no one, I think, like we, we presented for, again, for like half an hour or something. How long were, we, were those presentations? I think that they were maybe 15 minutes or pretty 15 long. Minutes. They were yeah. long. They were like, they were like real presentations with like slide decks and like, like demos sometimes because um, it was demo day. And uh, I remember uh, we got an interest from Stephen Wolfram and we got to go pitch him. Um, he did not wind up investing because he did, he did the end of the day, did not actually correctly did not think that was, we were going anywhere on that startup. Um, uh, I also remember, I think it was his like seven year old son was in the meeting. Um, uh, was he, he was in all, all of Stevens. Yeah, I think so. And he was there in all, all of Stevens meetings, actually, I think. Um, uh, I don't think he was at the demo day, but he was, okay. he was in our pitch meeting with them. And, uh, okay. I thought it was really charming. I, it makes me want to take Lucas, uh, my, my son into when he's old enough into into meetings like yeah you to be honest he asked like two or three questions because steven gave him a, a like was like hey do you do you want to ask them some questions his questions were better than better than 
the average VC associate and probably better than half of all the like half of all the partner questions I've gotten, they were really, he asked good questions that were like on point that made sense that followed. Like, cause he's, he's obviously a smart kid and he's been watching his dad ask smart questions in the meetings for probably a year at that point. So he knows what to ask. He's seen his pattern match it. And like, he asked, like, I was like, Oh, this is that, that, that actually made me feel better about it. Like when, when he was just sitting in the meeting, I thought it was weird, but then when he got to ask questions, at first I was like, oh, what, what is, what is this like seven year old going to ask me? Or maybe he was nine. I don't remember exactly, but like, um, uh, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but just thinking like, oh yeah, though, that's a, that's a totally sensible, reasonable thing to ask. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, you mentioned Steve, which is Steve Huffman from Reddit for our listeners, who was also in that first batch, who's been on this podcast. You guys were good friends with the Reddits, Stephen Alexis. So, what, not what during, was your not friendship during the summer. Like? Really? Not during the summer. Okay. Yeah, during the summer, we were in Roxbury and we didn't okay. see anybody. We barely, like, oh. we, like we, I liked Steve and I liked Alexis and I, we, we were drawn to them as sort of the other, uh, uh, them, them and Aaron Schwartz, I think we, we, the, the, that, that set of us. And I guess the, uh, uh, and the, the Memamp guys, um, Zach and, Zach and Chris, um, yeah. we all kind of like, I think like Sam was off pitching all the time. Like was just not, didn't hang out with us that much. Um, cause he was working on his startup for him. That meant like deals. Um, yep. <laughs> and we were sort of the, that group was sort of the set of people who, um, I think we're both very serious about their startup, but also like wanted to have like hang out and like talk and have some amount of fun as well. Um, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, which I guess is like, that was like, you know, two thirds of the batch or something. But like that group, uh, we all sort of hung out quite a bit. And like, I remember really being drawn to them, being particularly drawn to Steven Alexis. But it wasn't until after the batch ended when we were like, oh, now what do we do? And then if we had to be proactive, if we didn't reach out to someone to try to hang out with them, we were never going to see anybody. You like all worked together in Y Combinator's Cambridge office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't we over let the, you do over that? that yeah, after the batch, not during the batch, yeah, we didn't. But after the batch, the batch okay. we 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 all worked at. We would go to Garden Street and work because uh, it was just so much more pleasant than where we lived. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, I think you took pity on us because now YC gives you uh, you know five hundred thousand dollars or whatever. So if you you can you can afford to get an apartment that's like decent to work out of, then with yeah. like fourteen k, you're really trying to stretch it. Like yeah, okay, fine, you are out of our out of our office. Uh, uh, but. Uh, yeah, so we worked out of the office together. That was that that was a big bonding thing. Um, but also we just were proact- a little bit more proactive about hanging out and like meeting up once a week, like getting beers on a Friday or something. Um, and uh, we really connected later. I really once we sold uh, uh, Kiko, like we felt 15 months in, we sold Kiko on eBay. And after we sold Kiko, uh, we didn't really have that much to do. And so we spent a summer basically distracting the Reddits. <laughs> Like by at like we oh, no. we would at like three PM go over to their house uh with uh you know ch- Chinese food and beer and start playing video games. <laughs> and oh, like no. uh and uh not know uh, this. It was that was great. That summer was amazing. And which Steve had his revenge though. Then he sold Reddit like, you know, six months or nine months after that. And so when we were starting Justin TV back in uh and we moved to San Francisco, Steve moved into our building. And every day at like five, Steve would show up with a six pack of beer <laughs> and we'd start playing video games. It's like he got his, he had, he had about three months of doing that to us back, uh, like, uh, uh, at the, when, when we were trying to start Justin TV. So, you know, we, we, uh, 
I don't know if we were always a good, a totally a good influence on each other, but we were the the we were ultimately a very good influence on each other because I think the the number one thing that's like hard when you're running a startup is man, it is it is hard to keep going. Like if if doing the startup isn't fun, if you're not enjoying yourself, it's just so hard to to keep the faith uh, and keep uh, moving ahead. The Reddit's the like that. Way. Steve and Alexis, um, um, I think, were a big part of why we had the the momentum. Well, I was going to say, based on the interaction that we saw in that first batch, that's what inspired us to keep it as a batch. It was that was just an experimental, like let's learn to angel invest summer, um, and then we were going to just do asynchronous investing. But we thought, you know, the batch is light. They the the founders like to come together. They help each other out. Um, so that's why we kept doing it. So I'm glad that those friendships coalesced. Yeah. I mean, I think those things were like, if I, looking back at it, I could have gotten the $14,000 from other places. Like if we scrabbled, we could have put together a tiny round of money from friends and family. Um, but we couldn't have put together that batch. I mean, not the batch. I don't think we would have like that the the batch mates and like that was the, that was the actually valuable thing we got um yeah that was the 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 much more so than the money i have a quick question jessica why yeah. didn't you deliver these guys an air conditioner oh i'm <laughs> so mortified you just asked that because as as emmett was talking about how hot it was and they were in roxbury i honestly i i delivered them to almost every other group but they're mostly in the Cambridge area. I was just say your generosity <laughs> had geographical limits. That's so sad. I know, but I could have offered to like give them. I would have mm. bought them an air conditioner. It didn't even occur to us to ask. Like we, the thought that we could fix our situ- living situation. No, like this is just, this is just how it is. I think at some point we did buy ourselves our own like Costco air conditioners because they're not that expensive. It was depressing. And at the time, I don't think I, like was like that enjoyed it that much, but I wouldn't like, I liked that we, it was, I would recommend to most people, maybe not to go quite so extreme as like go live in Roxbury, but like moving somewhere where you aren't right with your friends and you're not like startups are hard and they, it's good to have the outlet of like every Tuesday or every Friday or whatever. But like you would, it would be better if you were working like seven days a week in the beginning, like at least six for a while. Um, I mean, maybe not if you're like, if you're older and you have like experience, but we, we didn't have experience. We had no idea what we were doing. All we had was like relentless energy. And so like the more we channeled that into the startup, the better off we were. Now you mentioned something I just want to go back to, cause I don't want it to be lost on this audience here. You sold Kiko, uh, for $258,000 on eBay. Like, tell yeah. that story. Carolyn, can you believe this? I, I, I was actually thinking to myself, when he said on eBay, I was like, hang on, on eBay? Like, yeah, you got to yes! tell that story. <laughs> tell that story. So so we, Google Calendar launched. At first, we're like, that, they can't take us. We've got them. And then we, like, increasingly realized we, we don't got them. We actually have, <laughs> we have no ideas. We don't even know that fundamentally we didn't actually use calendars and we didn't actually have any idea other than the calendar that goes with Gmail. And so when Google launched the calendar that went with Gmail, we just, we didn't know what to do. Um, and we had, we also, this is, I don't know if you know this, Jessica, we had real startup ADHD over 
those 15 months. So in addition to uh, building Kiko, we built, you look familiar, a social network for families. We built uh, a Sounds app, which is basically with SoundCloud, um, which you could upload songs and they had a little thing where it would play and you could leave notes on it. Um, we built uh, this thing. We didn't actually launch it. We think we called Secret Project. It's sort of a combination. It's sort of like Replit today, but like, oh. like sort of like Replit plus GitHub, but we like gave up on that. Um, uh, we didn't even get to get no it to idea. launch. MySpace was the big social network at the time. So we built a sort of a clout for MySpace. Um, oh, wow. uh, we built a spider. We also didn't launch that one. But we built the spider. We like, we calculated a bunch of clout scores and we lost enthusiasm and didn't launch it. Um, and we built Kiko. And in retrospect, like the reason we kept building these other things and these other ideas, all, almost all of which, by the way, are at least like multi hundred million dollar companies, if not billion dollar companies. Yeah. In retrospect, yeah. is because we had, we knew at some level in our hearts that this calendar thing, no one has built a billion dollar calendar yet. Like the calendar thing really was, wasn't a good idea, actually. Um, and, uh, and so I, we kept, we kept sort of running away from it, but then going back to it. Cause like, no, we're supposed to work on the thing that we're the real thing we're doing. And we weren't ready to actually pivot the whole company. Um, and you look familiar by the way, so it, I, the, it's like ancestry.com basically. Like mm-hmm. the whole idea was you could like get your family into it. And what we'd immediately started getting is feedback from your customers. If we'd been, if we'd understood how to do it, it's like, I want to add my dead family members too. I want to like, not just build the family tree of the living people, but everyone uh, who I know, which is like the, that's what ancestry.com is. It's a social network that includes dead people. Um, It's like Colma is a social network. Um, And uh, the, uh, it's we we basically were like, okay, we're actually going to give up on Kiko. Well, what do we do with it? Well, we, we've spent all this time building it. Somebody should pay us for this. Was sort of the idea. We should be like, it's a calendar. It works. It's a JavaScript calendar that does work. Surely yeah. someone wants a working JavaScript calendar. Who wants that? We, did, I don't have no idea who would want that. And we sort of intuited the thing you need a banker for normally, which is like to figure out who wants it, to go show it to a bunch of people and run an auction. But like the entire price wouldn't pay a banker's fees to get started. So like, Correct. how do we get a bunch of people to see it? And we're like, well, we need, basically we need marketing. And so well, if we list it on eBay, that's funny. I and mean, I bet we can get TechCrunch to write a story about it. That was the reasoning. And, and we were right. We, we, we listed it on eBay and TechCrunch d- did write a story about it. And uh, a, that caused a bunch of other people to write stories about it. And that meant that everyone who might conceivably want to buy a JavaScript calendar heard about the fact we were selling it. Because like, if you got a story in TechCrunch at that time and on uh, you know, TechMeme and every the other like, aggregators... Uh, yeah you would absolutely uh, reach the buyers. Um, and that's how we reached uh, Two Cows, which is based in Toronto, uh, and who wound up actually buying it. Um, and you didn't have hearts- to pay a banking fee, nope. right? We just paid, e- we paid eBay there like 2%. That's so funny. Wow. All your banker friends who went to Goldman after college are like, what's going on there? <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's a fine chunk of change for 222. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now we, we had to pay back our angel investors. Um, cause they had one X preferences basically, um, okay. which makes sense. Um, uh, which was, uh, uh, Alex Lewin, uh, and princess Linda, who are the only two people who, who believed in us enough to, to invest in us. Uh, and, uh, uh, I'm not just calling her princess Linda. That's what, how she introduced herself to me. Uh, like that's, that's, that's my memory of her. Like, they, uh, like Caroline, as she, she was an early Yahoo employee oh, okay. that yeah. Paul knew. Okay. Again, yeah. one of the like few handful of rich people that we knew and invited to demo day to fill the 15th. Yeah. Seats. Right. Right. Okay. But um, she invested. Yeah. 
And Alex was an employee, I think, at VioWeb and then and then yeah. at Yahoo. Um, I'm still friends with Alex to this day. Um, oh, and, uh, awesome. The uh, the best. So so you you take you take that out, and then we have to pay. We, we YC didn't make its money back, but made you know got some side some bit of like a tiny some tiny check, and then uh, uh, we had to pay taxes on it because we did it as an asset sale, mm. and that was yeah. smart. We structured it as an asset sale because two reasons. One is um, we knew it. We knew that it would reduce the liability. Like if you're the buyer, you don't know what's in this corporate startup thing. Like now, if it's we're like, oh, we're a YC company, that wouldn't be a big deal because buyers would be like, oh, okay, you use the standard YC paperwork, you have all the standard contracts, and this will be fine. But like at the time, like you're some startup, how are they going to diligence that? It's going to cost more in lawyer fees than the again than, than the thing is worth. So structure it as an SEO, it also meant that we could pump the price up more, which made it a more exciting auction to talk about mm. because people don't know the difference between your doing a corporate sale and an asset sale. Now that means we pay the taxes instead of them, which, you know, uh, but like that, that's that they, they know that. So they, they're willing to bid more um, in the case where they, uh, uh, they're doing the, uh, uh, the asset sale. So that actually worked out really well. Like the reason it's a $258,000 sale instead of a, um, you know, what would be probably like a, like $150,000 sale is because we did an assets asset sale and it's a better story if it's a quarter million dollars than if it's 150 can. So at the end of the yeah. day, we actually wound up in pocket like 35 grand a piece like okay. each yeah, a piece. Great. That's great. Um, which is like, actually, if you think about it for like 15 months of work, post taxes, having saved over 15 months as a first year out of college, 35 grand, we were, we were way better off than any of our uh, compatriots at that point in their careers. Um, I love it. And that's important. That's important actually. Cause when we started Justin TV, there was a point where we, we had, couldn't raise angel money. And the startup was like, we were going to run out of cash to like make, not just make payroll, but to like pay our vendors and our suppliers. And Justin TV was going to die. And Justin and I both lent Justin TV 15 grand each of, uh, of that Kiko money to float the company for like two months until we could close our angel round. No um, or kidding. We, we could put together and close an angel round. Yeah. So like, if we had had that money, we would not have like Justin TV might have died. Um, that was oh. the that was the 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 bridge. No, what we probably would have done is come to you you and Paul and be like, please help us, we're gonna die. <laughs> but like, uh, yeah. but it was nice that we could just like write the check and like, uh, uh, you know, invest in ourselves. Like, I I think it's, it's a piece of advice people ask me sometimes when they're coming out of college or like in, in internships uh, at Twitch. Like, what's my recommendation? And my my biggest like post college recommendation is that if you care about like sort of freedom and being able to like make bold choices in your life, save as much money as humanly possible. Like we did not live richly for the 15 months or for the first yeah. like three years. We lived very, very frugally and we spent as little money. We were living in Roxbury. We spent as little money as possible. And even when we moved out of Roxbury, we did not get a nice apartment. Um, and, and that meant when you have 35 grand in the bank, which is a lot of money. Like it's not, it's not a lot of money from like a corporate finance perspective, but from an individual perspective, it's a lot of money. Yeah. You have freedom. You can make bold moves like investing in yourself. Um, and you should, I think that's a, that's something that people right out of college should have underestimated is how valuable it is to, to build a cash cushion, like immediately, like just save as much as you humanly can for the first year, year and a year, two years. And then you can start spending more. Cause actually once you have, 20 grand, 30 grand saved up. Uh, you don't need to keep the goal is not to save money forever. The goal is that you can quit your job 
or make a, you know, make a bet and you have can bridge a couple of months of expenses. It gives you options. I give young people options. the exact same advice, like save money so you have a cushion. Um, yeah. OK, Justin TV. I want to get into this. So tell me the story of how Justin TV started. So we were trying to we knew we wanted to start. We sold Kiko and then we spent a, the summer, a summer distracting the Reddits. But we were really doing that during that time while we were distracting them and like playing video games is trying to figure out what, what our next startup would be. And we weren't in a, in a blistering hurry because we had we had some money. We were we were OK. Uh, but we like we wanted to we knew we wanted to start something else. Um, and so we. Uh, uh, we had this, our first idea was, it was like, turn any Flickr page or blog into a coffee table book. You're kidding. Like, like one click. That was the, that was the idea. Like print on demand. Our, our first ideas are always terrible. And then the second ideas are much better. It's weird. Like the, once we, our fake ideas that we would like, we were embarrassed to pitch that we wouldn't tell people about like secret project. I wouldn't tell anyone about secret project because I was so embarrassed it was just for me, like it was purely selfish. Like I liked the idea, like a replit. I always wanted like a replit GitHub like thing that I could just build stuff online with. But it wasn't a serious startup. That was like the serious startup is like a print on demand service for blogs. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're cracking yourself up with your bad idea. Oh my god, it's so, so bad. bad! It's so bad. Um, so we go into pitch Paul, and he's like, no. Thank, thank it. Thankfully, he's like, absolutely not. That's a terrible <laughs> idea. We're like, OK, fine. You're probably right. Um, he's like, what else you got? And we were like, OK, well, we do have this one other idea, which we'd, we'd come up with because we were like having at the time the canonical topic in Silicon Valley, uh, the way that like uh, open AI and Elon is today. The default topic was what should Yahoo do? Because Yahoo was was already then like obviously lost and they just didn't have a strategy. And so there's this everyone would play kind of armchair quarterback. If I was running Yahoo, what would I do? And we were like, our conversations about this are interesting. And I actually think in retrospect, they, they were, it was sort of like, we, we, we could have done what a normal person would do is just like start a podcast. That's Mm. the normal response to we are interesting. Podcasts existed then, but we were like, ah, recording a podcast sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. Cause (laughs) audio, Ev Williams did the audio podcast idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it was but, it was it was in the air at the time. It was like 2006. Podcasts were a thing. You could, I think iTunes was out, like uh, because iPods were around. And that's why they're called podcasts because iPod they were like a, you'd listen to them on podcast oh. on your iPod, um, and uh, and so podcasts were around, and uh, uh, but we were like, no, 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 that's too much work. Recording a podcast sounds hard. Instead, we should just record all of our conversations 24 <laughs> seven, and then. Uh, and then we'll just cut out the the interesting bits and upload those. And then we were like, well, well, if we're going to record all our conversations 24-7, we should just like stream them live to the internet. Well, if we're going to stream our conversations live to the internet 24-7, why don't we just have a full video feed too? That's possible now. Like the EVDO cards had just come out. So like uh, mobile internet was just exi- came into existence. We're like we could do that. And we we're like, yeah, that's funny. We're never going to do that. Was, and then we sort of gave up on the idea. But we kept coming back because it was like funny. I remember, uh, I remember Chuck Foreman from OMG Pop. Justin told him at a party, uh, oh, yeah, our startup idea is we're going to like stream my life 24 7. Because it was between me and Justin, it was never a question which one of us would wear the camera. It was obviously Justin was going to wear the camera. Wait, but why? And, like, say why. Oh, Justin, Justin likes being famous. Mm. 
Okay. Justin's always had a goal of being somewhat famous. I don't particularly like being famous. Right, right. Um, okay. I, it's it, it's uh, more of a side effect. People hearing about you for me is like a negative side effect, not a positive one. Right, right, right. Um, okay. Whereas for Justin, it's a positive one. <laughs> anyway, so uh, um, Chuck said to Justin, um, you're full of shit. You're never going to do that. Um, and I think that was actually the moment that we were became much, much more likely to do uh, <laughs> Justin TV. We hadn't even, like, I, I wasn't actually in that conversation. I just heard about it afterwards. But, like, spite is one of the most powerful motivators there is. In some ways, Justin TV was like, we're like, we're, we're going to show Chuck. Uh, so, so we go to pitch Paul, and he's like, what else you got, got? And we're like, well, we do, Justin says, we have this idea that I should wear this camera 24-7. Um, and we're going to call it Justin TV, which because it was a just in TV, like it's like live and like also Justin TV. We thought it was like a clever pun. Um, yeah. Better uh, start a startup around it. Yeah. better to, A clever pun for a name <laughs> and the domains available. Can you believe it? Um, uh, and so, uh, and Paul saw immediately like, oh, you could like, this could be a new kind of reality TV. You could have a bunch of other people do this eventually also. And we're like, yeah, totally. We have not, we hadn't really thought of that, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> We could totally do that. Um, and uh, and so Paul wrote us a $50,000 check for the new thing. Like, I think I think then like to invest in the new in the new startup. And I think um, I walked into the kitchen and Paul's like, hey, Jessica, guess what? The Kikos are now doing. And you mentioned your idea. And I remember saying this sounds ridiculous. This idea. Thank God <laughs> it, I mean, you didn't was, listen to me. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was. I mean, we we literally our, our internal tagline for the project was a series of ridiculous stunts. Because mm. we'd been inspired and, by the Kiko thing, we'd realized like one really good way to get marketing and attention for things you wanted to do is just be a little bit absurd in public. Um, and the the whole show was kind of that. It was the whole idea of being live twenty four seven was an absurd stunt, and we kind of knew it. Like we milked it. That was the that was the concept. So for listeners, they like it sounds so boring. Justin would strap a camera to his head and live cast his whole day. Yep. Right, Emmett. It was. Yeah, it's, it, it sounds boring because it was boring. <laughs> it was there extremely were some boring. Stunts. I was. Oh yeah, it, involved in some of them. It was. You know, the it recipient. was interesting. It was interesting for fifteen minutes to two hours a day. Like yeah, and then the rest of the time it was super super boring. And the problem with live video is being interesting for fifteen to two hours minutes to two hours a day is like terrible. That's like that means almost always your show is horrible. And like, if you can produce 15 minutes of good content a day for YouTube, that's great. But for a live service, you have to be interesting all the time. And it's like, it's almost impossible. Like there's a reason why live, why like reality TV shows aren't live. Right. Like there's a really yeah. fundamental good, yeah. good reason. That's, you can't be interesting 24 seven. Well, I have a lot of questions about Justin TV, but pull on that thread. Yeah. What did you do to combat the lack of interestingness of Justin's well, life? First, we tried to program his whole life to make it interesting. So you had about a couple, a month and a half where we were like, we're going to make Justin's life interesting. We're, and it was, I think it was really stressful for Justin. We're like, Justin, you're not being interesting. Don't do interesting stuff. Every time he, like, he tried to relax or sit down, we would yell at him for being boring. <laughs> and we'd have like people like organizing things we're like, Justin, go trapeze lessons. Justin, go do this. It's like, like this. <laughs> we discovered a couple of really key things. Uh, talking to the audience was always interesting and easy which is a key insight that Twitch built on. Um, and uh, 
we, we hooked up an Xbox to the camera and played Call of Duty. Yeah. And that was interesting. People liked that too. Um, and so we actually did, if we'd been paying attention, we know, we, if we'd been focused on what are the things that are interesting, huh? Well, the two easy things to do that are interesting are like s- stream uh, yourself talking to the camera and playing video games. Can we just talk to the camera and play video games? It was right there. It was right there. But we, we didn't, we didn't notice because we had, we were obsessed with the idea of it being mobile. We're like the cool thing we're doing that's actually new is walking around outside. That's what was hard about this. We spent all this effort building this camera. You're really going to pu- yeah. put people like in back at their computer. But in retrospect, um, we were just way ahead of our times. Like, like the phones were not good enough to do live. Like the, the, the live streaming on the mobile thing was just super hard and actually, even streaming from your home PC had only just become available. There wasn't another good service to live stream from anywhere, let alone mobile live streaming. And in fact, that was the hardest thing. I, Paul said, like, the live streaming was the hardest thing that they did. And you guys built really complicated infrastructure and technology for this, right? Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, we were just using a CDN, but very quickly, like, it didn't have the features we wanted or it was too expensive. The real thing was too expensive because we weren't going to do the uh, video part anymore. Kyle uh, immediately like raised his hand to, to do the video system part um, and became the head of the, you know, the sort of, I was head of all non-video system technology print programming and Kyle was head of the video system. Um, and uh, I, it was, it was very impressive the way he tackled that because like he didn't know anything about video <laughs> at all. And uh, in the beginning, our system was, did not, was not very good, but it got better. You know, we started from the very first thing he built was a little proxy that would sit in between the camera and the CDN and save a copy of the uh, stream as it went by. I just want to do a quick aside for our audience because there's the introduction of two key um, right. players in the scene. Yeah. One is Kyle Vogt, um and the other is Michael Seibel. Can you just back up and say how they came on yeah, board? Yeah. So we were starting the company and we, we knew we were going to start it in San Francisco, but we were still over on the East Coast. Um, and Justin knew Michael from college and was like, we, effectively, we need an adult, um, was sort of the theory, right? Like we need someone who's more steady than I, Justin and I are very, I think can be very, um, inspiring. We're also have like kind of a little bit of up and down energy. Um, and, uh, Seibel, uh, is a force and he is like, uh, he's not so easily moved from a direction once he's like set on it. And so, uh, Justin intuited correctly, like we need someone like Seibel on the team to make this team function. Um, and so we recruited him. Um, really, Justin did most of that work because he knew Seibel better in, in college. Um, and we convinced him as step one in our recruiting process, we convinced him to drive across the country. We'll do a road trip across the country. And by road trip across the country, we meant four days nonstop driving from oh. New York to San Francisco. <laughs> Oh, man. Like, Look how gleeful we, Emmett is. The beginning of the I know. Why are you laughing so hard, Emmett? The beginning of just so many times of just like setting Michael up with like a like Michael, we're gonna do a road trip across the country. Just kidding. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna drive nonstop and like pause for fifteen minutes at the Great Salt Lakes for a photo op and then keep going. <laughs> uh. <laughs> We arrived in San Francisco, like we're going to, 
You just started a startup with us. It's going to be fun. We're going to make it to make real world. We're going to move to New York. It's going to be somewhat, it's going to be a reality TV show. Just kidding. It's a tech startup. We're not moving to New York. <laughs> um, it's just it's an endless series of just like rug pulls. And I think he liked working with us. Like he had a good time anyways. <laughs> oh my God. And so Michael shows up and he's, uh, we're, we're having a pretty good time and we're like, uh, we're starting the company and like we, he, he, and we're like, you should do this with us. Like you, you you're, we're, you're already a key part of the team. We never could have found an apartment without you, which like, I don't know if that was true. We made him feel like it was true. And, uh, uh, and we basically, we did the, the same way we hired, uh, uh, Kevin, um, was the same, the same move, which is we just started giving them work without paying them. And the, then, and then they'd get into the work and then they'd, we'd be like, Oh, well, shouldn't we be paying you for this? And then ah. we'd like hire them. Like, Rope like, you in. know, what it, the, once they were working with us, they had a really good time. Like, I think the, the key is at startups is what's the biggest reward is you get to do interesting work without a boss with your friends. That's a pretty good pitch, but people don't understand it. Like it's one of those pitches that's like way better if they start doing it first. And so I, my, one of my startup hiring tips for, for people is like, just make your friends start working with you. Don't pay them. You want your smart friends are working with you. Like it's much easier to hire them from there. Um, they're already yeah. doing the job. Yeah. Um, and so uh, then we, we realized like, we were right at the same time as we were recruiting Michael. We're like, we need someone to build. We thought we needed hardware to do the live streaming. And that was wrong. But thank God we had this delusion because it caused us to e email the MIT hacker list, which I would never recommend as a way of hiring someone. Like our, our it only worked because we were so early in the startup cycle and YC yeah. would just get getting started. And there weren't that many startups yet that like second time entrepreneurs, second time entrepreneurs, we told our startup on eBay, but like we were second time entrepreneurs <laughs> starting a, <laughs> starting a so startup, funny. emailing the MIT hacker list, uh, which is, that is why Kyle's joined up. He's like, oh, these guys know what they're doing. Oh, second <laughs> again, time again, second time entrepreneurs. <laughs> and we both fooled each other because Kyle sent us this like, this 26 page PDF CAD drawing thing that really impressed us. That was not actually that like it was impressive, but it was like only to people who didn't really know what they were doing. Like it was, it was cool, but it's not that cool. Um, but it was super impressive to Michael. And we used to hire Michael. And then we used the fact that we like, it was this like very stone soup, like using everyone else joining to FOMO the other people into joining. Um, and we got Kyle who was a uh, MIT sophomore dropout to come join us. And what Kyle did not reveal at the time that I learned later is like, he was on the verge of getting kicked out of MIT because he wasn't doing his classes. He was just building stuff and hacking on stuff all the time. Mm. Um, oh. uh, which I did not know until later. So it also makes sense why he joined us, but like, we were like, we felt like we hit the jackpot because we had, because Kyle's like brilliant. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think that was one of the most lucky things about the whole thing. Like everything else was sort of like, Oh, you like, you recruit your smart friend from college. That's like a pretty standard thing we tell people to do. Email the MIT hacker list and get some brilliant 19 year old college dropout to like join your company is not a, like, that's not a, that's a, that's a, that's a win the lottery of ticket kind of move. Like we did not, uh, we did not really, we didn't deserve, you gotta get a lucky break sometime, yeah. but uh, we didn't really deserve that one. Um, and so Kyle was a you know brilliant engineer, wound up to going on to build a self-driving car company and we got him to go make our, you know, video system. Um, and uh, when we convinced him to stay, we gave him an equal share of the company um, because we felt he really was a co-founder with us. And I looking back at that, I remember thinking like, 
are we going to get, are we just going to give every employee that we hire a new, like a, a co-founder share, but, but Kyle really deserved it. Um, and I think we, he was joining at this point where we just had no, we didn't really have anything. Um, and so, uh, uh, that became the team of four, which is also something we generally tell people not to do. Uh, yeah. but our team of four was very stable. I don't quite know why. I think it's because me and Justin were very close and we're clearly just going to keep going. And then Michael, we went to college with and like Michael is very, he also, he just, he never had any doubt. He was like all in on the, he was fully all in. And then I guess Kyle saw the three of us being like, well, I guess they're fully all in. And once you get a critical mass of people who are just totally all in, Kyle was like, well, I guess if they're all, I guess that I guess I am too. Um, and it's sort of like, we sort of like, we snowballed it from me and Justin being just fully all in on what was going on to getting Michael to be, and then, and that's really the, that's really what makes the, a bigger team work. If you get seven people to all be fully 100% all in on the startup, that would be a great founding team. It's just, I don't think that, I don't think you can generally do that. I think that it's, uh, it's hard Start to get smaller. that many people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, two or two, maybe three is like the max, really. Um, but it worked out for us. Yeah. Carolyn, did you have a question oh, that I had interrupted you on? No, I was actually uh, just wondering what the how different the trajectory would have been if you had mentioned some of the secret projects to Paul when you were pitching him on Justin TV. You must think about that every now and then. Like, if what if I what if we had just gone oh, on yeah. and on like that secret project, like on Replit, on the Replit, thing, yeah, like, so different. Yeah. And weirdly, we'd already given up on them, so they were no longer exciting. You're right. Why didn't we pitch those at the Justin TV stage? Yeah. And it's because the way we came up with startup ideas was sort of mania driven, not like uh like in any kind of intelligent way. It's like whatever we were enthusiastic about at the time. Um and in retrospect, we did have a bunch of ideas. We even built half built a bunch of them. And I remember going in and being like, well, we only have these two ideas, print-on-demand vlogs and a live streaming reality show. Those are our only ideas. Paul said, though, that the Justin TV idea was just on the right side of crazy. And it yeah. like was sort of hard to predict what way it could go. And, and in fact, that's what happened. It went in the direction of Twitch. No, I, I, don't, I don't regret doing the reality. The, the, doing the reality TV show idea was the most entertaining option. It was the most like interesting, crazy thing we could do. And I'm, I'm kind of glad we did it. Like, and it obviously it worked out. Um, you know, I've actually never wondered that question now that you mentioned it. Uh, that would have been a much better startup, <laughs> but, but we would not have recruited Kyle for that one. Right. I don't know. Maybe it would have been more successful. Maybe it would have been less successful. It's hard to say. Yeah. Like, uh, because the, the idea is one thing I've definitely learned in startups over and over again. It's like the strength of the idea is almost never the important thing about the company. Like, no, it's the and, founders. The just, the, founders. and the Justin TV idea, like let us recruit Michael because it was, because we, we were going to be real world in New York and it let us recruit Kyle because we were going to build l cool live streaming, redundant hardware. And, and so maybe it was exactly the right idea because it let us recruit the best team. Right. Um, even though it was not the best idea as a business. I was also wondering how, what was the idea for how Justin TV was ultimately going to make money? Oh, sorry. Silly question. Make money. <laughs> make money. 
we didn't we didn't think about making money until the 2008 financial crisis uh. when we were like, oh shit, the gravy train is about to stop. We we re- we managed to raise, thank God, a Series A extension from uh, Stuart Alsop, uh, like two months before the hammer came down, and like because oh. we'd failed, we tried to raise our Series B, our Series B. Just at the time, for people listening now, Series B meant a like five million to seven million dollar round. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. That was not Series B yeah. is not a different world. Yeah. Think think what would be now be a Series A. Now that we would say we raise our Series C, we're trying to raise a Series A. We failed to raise a Series A. I think Stuart believed in us and we were the best thing in his portfolio. And so he doubled down and, and invested in us anyway. Um and we got a Series A, a extension from him plus two million dollars uh, venture debt from SVB. Thank God, because two months later, we were not going to get anything right. and we were going to run out of money and die. That Justin TV has several like near death moments like that, where it's just like we we got lucky and we well, lucky. We we're also smart. We we knew take the money now, yeah. like before you run out, like take the money now. Um, yeah. And then the hammer came down and we we're like, oh, we better start. We better get profitable. Um, and then we started thinking about money in a really serious way. <laughs> but like, so what did you do? <laughs> What did you then do? The hammer comes down end of 2008. Four weeks later, we're, we've pivoted completely to working on uh, money. We create. We actually got serious for the first time in our company's history about like having process and metrics and like we actually manage the company in a real way. It was really healthy for us, actually. We sat down every month with the P&L, which was this weird hybrid cash PL uh slash pro actual like uh income statement PL, right? Like mm-hmm. because Mike we we called it Michael Math. <laughs> what, what Michael really wanted was a was a cash burn thing. But like the cash, but our cash burn was so far from the react because you get paid on advertising so much later, it was really hard to tell how much money you were actually making. And so we did this hybrid thing where our costs were on a cash basis, but our revenue was on a like uh accrual basis. Mm-hmm. Which is like was weird, but actually, I think in retrospect, it was the right way to look at the company. Mm-hmm. You know, so we sit down with this weird, fucked up, non-gap PNL. So we so we sit down with this this weird Michael Math PNL every month, and we go down every single cost line item, and we'd ask, "Do we need to spend this money? How could we spend less money on this?" Uh, and if we thought we could do something to spend less, we would either cut it right away, or we would like make an action item to go cut, and then we'd go down. Every revenue item, which in the beginning wasn't very many, and we'd ask, "Can we make this go higher? What 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 is missing from making this go higher? What are the what are the best ideas to make this go up?" And then we'd we'd go through every page on the website, and we'd ask, "Can we extract more money in some way from this web page that we are currently extracting, and from this flow that we are currently extracting?" And then that would turn into a list of like you know twenty seven action items, and then we would distribute them to people, and then that would be then we'd go get them done. That's and that efficient. was the management system. Yeah, yeah. And like, and then we'd come back the the next month, and we would get. Uh, oh, we also got desperate enough that we stopped micromanaging our employees, and we just started asking for their help, which was like also a big move. We basically we, we were oh the other thing we did we were, we were super transparent with the employees from like minute one. We were like, so we have, you know, at the beginning in you know, we have fourteen months of cash in the bank, and then we're dead. Like, here's the burn rate. Our goal as a company is to pull out of this dive and we're going to do it. And because we didn't have any doubt, we, we were like, there's a doomsday clock on the wall, but like, we were utterly confident. It wasn't like, we're screwed. It's like, 
this is the new goal. This is what we're going to do. We didn't lose anyone through it. I've heard of people who like enter a, a downward spiral, but I think what happens is if the founders are scared, the employees see that and it's rats leaving a sinking ship. Right. At the bottom of the dive, we pulled out of the dive with like, I think two months of runway, eight weeks of runway left. Um, when the, when the, that's when it like, it's when it went, you know, from nine weeks to eight weeks and then from eight weeks to back up to nine weeks to 10 weeks to like, and that's, that was, <laughs> we hit the bottom Woo! and, uh, uh, but the employees could see that because the rate of decline had gone from a week per week to half a week to week per week to a quarter of a week per week. Like it was like tick, 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 tick. you'd see us sort of like, and we finally were managing the company in a transparent way where it was very obvious what our goals were. And it was, we yeah. were enlisting people and doing the goals. Employees started like inventing stuff and like building things for the company. That's like the, cool. um, we had this idea for this product that like basically was a paywall where if you weren't in an English speaking country where we could monetize on advertising, we just made you pay for the service. Um, mm. Which after a, a, like a five minute preview and that product was not very good when he first launched it. And Tim just sort of took it upon himself to run our first AB tests and actually like experiment <laughs> with the thing and just like, didn't really talk to us about it. Just like went and did it. Uh, yeah. Thankfully, because if we talked to us about it, we would have probably would have screwed it up. Um, and, and basically we got, we were finally working. The problem with products like Justin TV and in general consumer internet is like, how do you make something like that grow is not a scientific process. Like it, it is if you're Facebook and you have an incredibly sticky product and you can have a growth team whose whole job is to like put people on the top of the funnel. Yeah. But we were not an incredibly sticky product. And so how do you make us grow was like a really I don't know. You just try stuff and some stuff works. Some stuff doesn't. It was like very, it's, it's very, uh, it's very low feedback environment. Whereas like the money thing, finally, it was like running, running an enterprise company, like, like you're running a real company. Like you could set goals and then achieve them. And then the next month you could achieve the next goals you set, like, like a real company. Imagine that. Yeah. And so it was like really healthy for us. And so we got profitable over the next like 18 months. Amazing. Um, and, uh, that really set the stage for Twitch because the way we funded Twitch was Twitch was funded almost entirely out of cash flow off of Justin TV. Like we, we wound up raising a series B uh, from uh, Ethan Kurtzweil at Bessemer. But, uh, but that was like a year after starting Twitch. Like we'd launched the product. We were growing already the entire, the entire seed investment. And then continuing, like we, it took, it, we, we squeezed all of the blood out of that stone. Eventually we squeezed it to death, but like, that probably generated, I would bet, um, seven million in cash flow over the course of the, like the 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 out. Um, it, it produces at least as much profit out, probably more. Uh, then we ended up selling it for more. So yeah, no, in total, we probably got ten million out of it. So we it was a profitable venture. We yeah. we squeezed more money out of it than we uh, got going into it. And that doesn't even count for the fact that it was paying everyone's salaries right. on top of that. So actually like, I'm just counting the profit we could reinvest. Actually, uh, it was probably closer to 20 million of, of cash flow that let us go build Twitch, <laughs> oh. a very capital intensive business with me, not a particularly great fundraiser. Um, at the time I, no, I, I, I'm much better now, but at the time I was not good at fundraising. We had a, we had a, we had a, consumer internet winner 
that was growing at 30% a month. And on top of that, we were growing it out of cash flow from the last product we'd built. Really? Did people turn you down? 40 VCs turned us down before the first uh, money we raised. Okay, hold on. This is so huge. And I want listeners who are starting startups or trying to raise money to hear this. Emmett Shear got turned down by 40 investors with Twitch making money. We were just going and going. We could, we got, by the, we got best we can offer. And then we got somebody else made an offer too, but their offer was sucked. And we just pretended it was a decent offer to get like slightly better terms out of Bessemer. But like ultimately we basically just took the Bessemer <laughs> offer because it was the best thing we had. And like, we couldn't even get a competitive bidding situation going on. Wow. Like it was so bad. Everyone in gaming turned me down. And like, now I could go pitch it and I, my pitch for it would be so much better because I understand how VCs think. And like, and like, and I understand what we had, which is like good news. We have a consumer internet winner that is growing at 30% month over month and our revenue, we have negative dollar weighted churn from the moment people start spending money with us. Like the cohorts of money from people who are spending money with us grow every month when we yeah. sign them up. <laughs> we'll be taking bids next Tuesday. Right. Let me know if you're interested. Right. Right. That's the whole pitch. Right. That's the whole pitch. Like what, what, what else do you need to know? Right. I don't even to tell you what my company does. Like it's irrelevant. And like, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't understand. I didn't understand what we had. And so I couldn't convey it. Like the key, the main thing when pitching VCs or pitching anyone for anything is if you know what you have, you're confident. They don't, they can't really assess. I thought they were like intellectually assessing my idea. That's not what they're doing at all. They are trying to figure out, do you, do you think this is really going to work? That's like 90% of their decision. Like I didn't understand that what we had was this, this rare chance. We had a one in three chance. We were going to build something really big. And I was focused on the two and three chance this thing was going to like implode, which is true. We probably did have a two and three chance. There's a bunch of moments where we almost died. Like it was not a guaranteed success from the, from that point. But like yeah. VCs don't yeah. bet on guaranteed. If the point is a guaranteed success, you should be pitching fidelity. Like you're not pitching right. a, a venture capitalist. Right. Uh, uh, this is a one in three chance at being a billion dollar company is a great bet at series A or series B. Right. Like absolutely put your money in that. And I didn't, I, I couldn't, I didn't emotionally, I could have got that intellectually, but I didn't emotionally understand it. Uh, and so my pitch was bad because I was talking, I was trying to, I, there's something I try to talk founders out of now, whenever I advise them at yeah. UIC is like, stop trying to convince me your thing is a sure thing. And there are no risks. Tell me, here's the two things that are the big risks that we're going to, that we're going to de-risk. Here's our plan to de-risk them. But yeah, those could kill the company. Yeah. But if they don't, we're a, we're a billion dollar consumer internet play. We were a $10 billion company. This is freaking huge, which is true also. Um, and I just like, didn't have the chutzpah to like, to pitch it that way. Um, and I, uh, in the, re in the retrospect that, that's, uh, I really could have used, I could have really used UYC to be honest. Like I was always the tech yeah. partner who wasn't the C I was not the CEO. I never went through YC as a CEO. I went through YC as the CTO, as the co-founder. And so I never got the office hours where I was being coached on raising money and I was in the arena raising money. Um, and, uh, and it would have been really helpful to me. I wish I'd done YC as Twitch instead of as Justin TV.
this kind of brings me up to one of, I know we're coming up on time here, but this brings me back to one of my final questions. Um, you referenced, I wish I had YC. You're now back full circle being a visiting partner at YC. First of all, how do you like it? And what do you now bring to the table to advise yeah. startups? Well, so in the spirit of, of you know, how, how the turntables, um, just like we consistently lied to Michael about how much, like, it's going to be fun. We'll do the road trip. <laughs> Michael was like, be a YC partner. Be in my group. <laughs> it's like easy. It's not that much work. That is bullshit. Oh, the rug pull comes. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, it's not to be fair. It's not a like it's not a 50 hour a week job. Like, you not you're not grinding hours, but like it doesn't matter because. I remember him telling me that interviews are like nine to two Zoom calls. And I was like, nine to two Zoom calls. I eat nine to two Zoom calls for breakfast. <laughs> I do nine to like six Zoom calls. Why is it? And that's your most intense week. This is going to be easy. What he didn't tell you is those, that nine to two Zoom call melts your brain. Like you're, it does. you're trying, it's, I'm, I've never been more ex exhausted than after like six hours of, of interviews. And like, and then writing rejection. Yeah, it, yeah. It's just, it's so hard. And like yeah, rejections are hard. And, but like also just like the debriefs, like you, you're on the whole time because like during the meeting, during the interview, you're trying, you're like, <clears throat> you have to extract maximum information from everything that's happening. And your brain is like trying to load in an entirely new business. And then after you're trying to figure out the like, debrief and figure out like, should we do this or not? Mm. And like pay attention to all the data you have to figure that out. And it's just like high stakes decision after high stakes decision, bam, 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 bam. Like, like I make more consequential decisions in, you know, in four days doing interviews as I would in like an entire quarter as a CEO. You never, you can never turn it off either. You have to concentrate and focus yep. for such a long period of time. It is very exhausting. Yep. And, and the, you know, the rest of YC isn't as intense as interviews, but it's still like, like office hours, every single office hours is like, like a moment for that startup of them trying to pivot. And like, it is hard mm. to yeah. like, like, like you, you, a day of office hours is also like very draining. <laughs> like if you're meeting with all the startups, like it's, it's, it's energizing. I don't, it, it's draining the way like, uh, hiking, going on a long, like, like high, beautiful hike through the Alps is, is draining. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's draining. Like you're tired at the end of the day. You feel good. It wasn't unpleasant, but you have you have you're spent yes. at the end of the day. Yes. And uh I love it. It's really fun. Um I'm gonna do it again this this batch. Yep. Um yeah. I I have a couple I had this idea I would do like I have a six month old son, I would like take some time off and like and like I was like, Oh, this will be a good like side <laughs> thing while I'm like uh -oh. you know, and I know Michael works really hard, but some of that won't happen to me. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Rug pull. No, to be fair. <laughs> To be, to be fair, yeah, totally. I mean, it's a hundred percent, I a hundred percent deserved. Michael, Michael, uh, uh, had every right to do that to me, <laughs> but like, um, we are in the, in the sort of off part between batches right now. And it is, it is nice. I do get, you do get some time off. Mm. Um, it's a little bit like being a, a teacher where you, there, there are, there are a few weeks a year where you really do have a, a big gap. Um, you have sort of more vacation opening. I, I need some time off. Some actual time off. You've been doing this since 2005. And what we didn't tell the listeners was that in 2014, 
which got acquired by Amazon. So now you're like working with a big company like that must have been mind blowing, too. You need you need a little time off. Yeah. I mean, Amazon, Amazon is an acquirer. That's like I actually really recommend this as as an acquirer, because if you if you want to keep running your company, if you want to sell your company, have somebody else manage it. Don't sell it to Amazon. But if you want to sell your company and keep managing it, Amazon is run in this very decentralized way where if they acquire you to be run as an independent business, they're going to let you keep your brand and stuff, which you'll know, they'll tell you during the acquisition process. Mm. Uh, they're, they're great. They really do. Of all my friends, the ones who took them, took it public or kept it private, I had the best deal. Mm. Like the easiest time raising money, the smartest board, the like, like in general, I would have some hints about like, here are some things to negotiate on your way in. Here's the annoying things here. But like, but on the balance, like talking to you know Drew running Dropbox or whatever, my life was easier and better than someone who took it public. And it was easier and better than someone who stayed private because you kind of had like this access to capital on Amazon's terms, like being a private co- a public company, but without, right. but then, you know, Jeff and now Andy, they have to deal with the, the Wall Street. I don't have to deal with that. And so it's great. It's like, it's an b- amazing place to build a company if you, uh, if you believe in owning Amazon stock, which worked out really well for us. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you want to just, you just like the process of building it. Um, I will say like, it's, that's not probably for everybody, but it, I think more companies should do what Amazon does and offer the kind of like conglomerate sheltered home for a CEO to run their company. But like, it's, a, it's also what uh, Warren Buffett does. Like someone, someone should be the Warren Buffett of tech and go buy companies with the intention of like, we buy you, we take you private, but it's because we want to own you, your your thing for the long run and we want dividends. Yeah. Not because we like we're trying to take you out and like think we could manage your company better than you. Yeah. Tech has a lot of people doing the, the latter and almost no one doing the former. And I yeah. think that's a shame. Yeah. Hmm. Amazon's the closest. No, this has been great to hear all about this though, Emmett. It's been really great. I know. I just like I feel like there's just known you for so long and i've seen this evolution of emmett Shear from the nerdy college graduate to uh formidable founder advisor angel investor with a uh you know santa claus beard now what it, it, i had the hair all went from i had a hair up here and, it was, <laughs> and congratulations <laughs> on the birth of your son i'm so happy for you um and i'm so could not be more happy that you're back with yc right yeah. now same. That's so much fun. Glad you're. I really enjoy really it. Glad you're with us. So thank you for your time, and I can't wait to see you in person. Thank you so much. I've, it's been a blast, and I like can't wait to uh, get to work with all of you more. It's it's like it's the best. Great to talk to you, Emmett. Thanks for being on the podcast. Bye. Bye bye. Carolyn, I loved catching up with Emmett. Emmett's oh great. my gosh. That was a great conversation. It's great to talk to him. And he was, ha- I think he was having a good time. So that was, that was fun. He's been doing this for a long time yeah. and it all started at Y Combinator right, right. for him. 2005. Yeah. And he's only just recently uh, in 2023, you know, resigned from, from Twitch after all these years. So I think it's fun walking down memory lane. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. It was not that many people in his world know about Kiko. Right, right. I remember you guys referring to them as the Kikos, which is confusing. Oh, they were always the Kikos. Yeah, which is confusing yeah. since, since all that happened. But then after. they turned into the Justin TVs. Right, right. But they were never the Twitches. Right. It was just the Justin TVs. Right.
But that was interesting. I learned a few things that I didn't know. I certainly never knew how many ideas they were simultaneously working on with the calendar app. Because Paul and I were in California spinning up the winter batch in Mountain View for the very first time. Yeah, well, that's why I thought I thought that was really interesting. And and just for them to think back about all these little projects that got started and then got abandoned and what they could have been. And that's why, you know, I asked them, like, do you ever kind of think about what could have been? And it's sort of silly to do that. But like, those are a lot of really good ideas, nascent ideas that I and I really feel like if you guys had heard them, you would have been like, oh, do that. Well, Carolyn, do you remember the conversation we had with Paul where he said, after he sold ViaWeb, the company he wanted to build was a programming language mixed with Replit, mixed with GitHub. I do kind of And that. he wound up abandoning the other two and just doing, you know, the programming language. Yeah. But if Paul had heard that they he were working excited. on an idea yeah. doing Replit and GitHub, he would have been Super over jazzed. the moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, timing, funding timing is everything, right? Yeah, timing is so critical with a startup yeah. and you can't control that. The other interesting thing from that conversation was sort of parallels with what Brian Chesky of Airbnb was saying, how it's the founder's leadership and the founder's confidence in being able to get the employees to feel just as confident and turn things around. Yeah. You know, and how they went through all these line items. Can we cut this? Can we cut that? Yeah. I think that's an underappreciated or maybe underrated thing uh, is how important it is that is an employee, you feel like you're like you're following something like mission driven or something that like the, the person you signed up to work with is super into like that's pretty powerful. Yeah, you believe in it. Yeah. And therefore you don't give up and you work, you know, hard to to right the ship. Yeah. Um, and also parallel with how much Emmett got turned down by investors, oh, yeah. just like Brian Chesky. Yeah, it's a great that is a, unbelievable. Yeah. Common like, theme. Really, I say Yeah, I say this over and over, but for anyone struggling to raise money, it happens to the best of the founders. Yeah. You know? Um, And I love how he was saying he was happy to be back at YC, Mm. but it was more exhausting than he thought. (laughs) And how he he likened it to like a hike through the Alps, (laughs) you know? That's that's a very nice comparison. (laughs) It's just exhausting full stop. But it's a nice comparison. Oh, I'm just so glad. He is back at YC and advising the founders there. They are in great hands with Emmett Shear. I totally agree. It was great to talk to him. All right. Well, I can't wait to hear this one when it comes out. And uh, I'll see you very soon. See you next time. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.